welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. From the latest archery equipment and expert shooting advice to proven bowhunting tactics and the sport's biggest personalities, we've got you covered. Now, here's your host, Editor Christian Bird. All right, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and today uh, we are going to take a look ahead at deer season, and we're going to take a look back at a lot of deer seasons with uh, a pair of guests who uh, I'm proud to call uh, good friends of mine, and certainly uh, no strangers to those of you who are hunters. Uh, we have with us on Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, Ralph and Vicki Sancerulo from Archer's Choice Media. Guys, welcome to Peterson's Bullhunting Radio. Hey, buddy. Hey, thanks for having us. Oh, absolutely, man. Anytime I can get you guys on the phone, you know I'm going to jump at that chance. And, uh, you know, you guys kind of are celebrating some uh, milestones this year, your 17th year on Outdoor Channel, and I know a number of years before that doing videos, you guys have been at this this hunting and filming uh, hunting game for a little while now. Uh, a little bit, yeah. You, you know what's crazy is we, we start, I started filming in 85, you know, when I had the shop and, and we, we thought, you know, there's, there might be something to these, to these bow hunting videos, you know, cause we started to get a couple in the store and, and it just never did we think, uh, it would last this long. No, I mean, the first year that we were on the Outdoor Channel was 2001, so that's why this is our 17th year. It was, we started um, second quarter 2001, and we had our son, RJ, January of 2001 as well. So it's really easy to keep track of um, how many years we've been on, on the Outdoor Channel, only because it's the same age as RJ, so. <laughs> yeah, and so he's grown up on TV. Yeah, he pretty has. much. You know, in the videos, when we were doing videos before we went TV, um, you know, it was before RJ, and then the one year I was hunting pregnant with RJ, so a lot of that footage. Yeah, she was pretty cranky that year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I was wearing all of Ralph's clothes because I couldn't fit in my own, so it was kind of funny. But, yeah, I mean, he grew – people watched him grow up from the time he was a baby. My first mule deer, I recovered him with on, on my backpack. He was 10 months old, you know, and now he's out there hunting all over the world with us and doing crazy things as well. So, so you guys have been doing this for a while, but you're still as passionate about it as ever. I understand, Ralph, that you are uh, loaded up with the truck and you've got your sprayer and your mower and who knows what else on there. And as soon as we're done with this interview, you're going to hop in the car and uh, head over to your farm in, in Iowa and start doing some prep for deer season. Oh, yeah, buddy. It's, it's already um Problem, you know, we just saw the heat index going to be like 110 down there, but that's all right. I mean, this is this is what we do, and this is I've never, you know, it, it it's work, but it's a but passion. It's that, yeah, oh, I passion. love it. I I just I absolutely love it, and you know, can't wait because we'll you know be there for four or five days, and then we shoot back up here, and we got to do it all again back home at our farm here in Illinois. How many, how many uh, different stands and food plots and all that do you guys maintain between your place in Illinois and your place in Iowa? <laughs> all right, I think wow. I can honestly tell you I don't I I don't know how many stands. Yeah, there's no way. I uh, know. Like um, you would have to go look at the map and yeah. figure out where. I mean, I know I have a couple princess stands on each piece. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah she has princess stands everywhere. There's a princess stand um, in Iowa, and there's two princess stands here in Illinois. What's yeah. a princess stand? Are they, like, pink with jewel encrusted or what? Oh, nope. That means Ralph can't hunt them. Exactly. And it was done, I don't know how many years that ain't, ago. That ain't fair, is it, buddy? How many years ago was that? I mean, we're talking probably 15, 16 years ago. We set up a stand, and Ralph goes, okay, it princess. more than that. Was it more than that? Yes. He goes, okay, princess, there's your stand. Are you happy? Because that's helping. We're putting them all up and everything like that. He's like, okay, princess. I go, I'm not a princess. But the name just stuck. So there's certain stands when I shoot a good deer out of it. It becomes my tree, my setup, and it's a princess stand. Right, Ralph? And you, yes. you, you never <laughs> share those? I do share those. I actually shared them. I hunt them when she's not around. Yeah, right. And then you don't tell her. Oh, you're dang right, right I don't. <laughs> okay, well, so... And you know when mama ain't happy, no one's happy, you know what I mean? So Yeah, so so in all seriousness, you know, you guys on a, on a big level, you know, I often, as, you know, even as the editor of Peterson's Bow Hunting, you know, I, People think maybe, well, you know, you just go hunt at all the primo places and you, know, you don't have to do any work and they got these deer tied up for you. But, um, you know, I don't want to say that there's no truth to that. I mean, certain there's no truth to that, that they have them tied up for me. But, you know, I do get to go hunt in some really good areas and you guys do too. But I know for myself hunting here around my home in Pennsylvania, there's a few farms that, you know, I have that are owned by buddies where I have permission to hunt and I just go out and I really enjoy, you know, doing the mineral sites, running my trail cameras, scouting the properties, picking out, you know, certain trees where I want to set up, putting my stands, trimming my lanes. And even though, you know, the bucks that I'm hunting here generally aren't of the size that I might get to hunt on some of these trips that I go on, I get a lot of satisfaction out of doing all that work and hunting on my own um you know you guys go you know a lot more places than i do uh probably have killed a lot more big deer than i have but talk to me about you know is it kind of the same for you guys do you really kind of almost enjoy that you know hunting on your own place and doing your own thing maybe even more than you do you know some of these places where it is kind of done for you that legwork is is done by other people I think it's more fulfilling, huh, Ralph? Uh, I mean, there's there is no doubt that that I mean, I, I, we love this. I love this part of it. I mean, this is this is just adding another dimension to your hunting. And when you when you can facilitate or, or make more of the things go in your favor. And when I say that is, you know, doing your scouting, doing your, your putting all your trail cameras up, trying to figure out the critters and, and, and I mean, the movement patterns, trying to create better habitat, trying to, you know, put in better food sources. I mean, all of these things. And like you were saying, you know, here in Illinois, we can't do mineral. We can't do any, you know, baiting or, or, or supplemental feeding. But, you know, we, we can put in food plots. So, so, I mean, really, you know, there's not much of a difference if you look at it. I mean, but, but doing all that and trying to, trying to understand the animals better and learn better about them, their movements, their patterns, um, their habits. I, I mean, this is all just putting the pieces together for a huge puzzle. And, I mean, personally, I'd rather do that than go to an outfitter and the outfitter says, hey, you know, here, just sit here. Because you would just like our bear hunts. 
you know, we get involved in the baiting, we get involved in everything because that's part of the hunt. We've sort of lost that in, in some respects, but mo- hopefully most of the people that truly live this lifestyle, they, they want to participate in all of the aspects of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I would think that, you know, within the bow hunting community as, as at large, you know, I would say that almost all of my audience are, are deer hunters. You know, some people might hunt elk, antelope, you know, turkeys, whatever with their bow. But, uh, you know, the whitetail in particular is the bread and butter, the backbone of our sport. Um, so... Most of the folks who listen to this are probably getting ready and anticipating the season like we are. What would be uh, the best advice? Like right now, we're getting in towards the end of July. So we got, you know, August and September, say, you know, two months roughly. Most of you figuring, you know, most of your whitetail seasons are going to open up somewhere, you know, around about the 1st of October, give or take, depending on what state you're in. What are the things that we ought to be doing as bow hunters over these next two months? What's the best piece of advice or a couple tips that you would give people to, to kind of like get dialed in for, for the season, guys? Well, I, I mean, one thing that I think is truly overlooked and not really touched upon like it should be, and that is we are going into we're, we're going into the warmer period of, you know, of our, our 12 months. We're going into a period that is, is very detrimental to our wildlife and water source is huge water source is huge you know and i mean we you know we put in our little watering holes we we try to make sure that we have some type of water you know for for not only your deer but all of your species you know and and i I mean i I wish we would we we would cover more of that uh and have and and really pay the attention to, to 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 that uh very critical piece of the puzzle being, you know, water. You know, the other thing too is, I mean, right now our, you know, we have great vegetation um, and, you know, you're starting to see your deer starting to appear like in the beans and stuff. And, and you know how that just is going to keep getting better and better. And, uh, you know, we, we just try to do our, you know, due diligence and, and try to keep going, putting the cameras out, follow, p- patterning these things and knowing that each type or each time of the year, whether it's early season, mid-season, pre-rut, rut, post-rut, you know, really late season, um, things change. And you have to be more flexible and more adaptable, you know, and, and, and read those changes and make the changes. Don't get stuck on one tree stand or one ground blind set. Know that you might have to move it and be prepared to. And, I mean, now is the time to get in your woods so you don't pressure them right before season. And and, and hopefully, you know, you've done your homework. Excuse me. <coughs> I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, now, I'm interested, you know, for me, uh, being able to use mineral in Pennsylvania, see, here we can we can feed up to 30 days before the season, whether we put out food, mineral, whatever. And of course, food plots, you know, go through the season. But it's easy for me in the summertime, if I go to the edge of any big bean field and just go to a corner inside the woods, you know, 
20 yards and find a couple deer trails, I can create a mineral site and have, you know, pretty good confidence that I can get photographs of probably any buck that's coming to that field, right, is going to eventually visit that mineral site and, and give me a picture of them. For you in Illinois and for readers, uh, listeners, you know, who are in places where you can't do that, how do you pick out the best places to put your cameras? Well, one, we go back to the watering sources. You locate your watering sources. That'll be there, you know, this time of year. Number two, as you know, your your, your beans are starting to, to be more of an attractant. You know you know where your acorns, if, you got, if you're having a good, decent crop, you know where your acorns are going to be, um, you know, and setting the cameras up that way. The other thing is, you know, if especially if you're in a good example, where we live in northwestern Illinois, I mean, it's predominantly ag, and then you have your small wood lots. You don't have, we don't really have any existing, and a lot of people out there don't have these giant pieces of timber. So having the smaller wood lots, I think it does allow to be a little easier in patterning, you know, your movements. Um, the other thing, though, it becomes more critical in understanding, you know, where these deer are at any given time of the year. And that goes back to like you're just asking. You know, there's another point, and that is once you start seeing deer in some certain areas and you have permission, you'll find just get off the field and you'll see their staging areas. And, you, if, you know, if you, if you don't understand what that is, is – Great, great little tip. In, in, you know, you can go on and get your satellite, your, your images, and see. And especially if you can get your images, and, and here it goes. People are going to go, you know, but, you know, we've got a couple drones that we use for the show and for filming. But we also use them to take aerial photos. And we take them all given times of the year. This way, late season, I can see from the air where these animals are coming and staging in the timber before they enter the fields. How, That's huge. Now explain to me how how are you identifying a staging area from an aerial photo? Sure. What you're going to see is you're going to see from an aerial photo photo because the leaves are gone in you know in your 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 latter your late, late your your fall your late fall season in, and going into winter you can see these trails from above. And all of a sudden, it looks like a wagon wheel. And they, this wagon wheel just focuses down to a central location, coming out of your bedding areas, coming out of your timber, coming out of your draws, you know, and your pinch points. And it all leads into where they just sit there. And this is a lot of times your mature bucks are going to stay till it gets dark. And then they move out. And you can see this with your aerial. It's incredible. Yeah. One thing, speaking of mature bucks, and I'm wondering what you guys see, um, you know, one thing that uh, Bill Winky says a lot, and of course, Bill does a lot of writing for me, and so he's a regular. Uh, great guy. Yeah. Great. great guy, and he's killed a lot of big bucks. You, you mentioned <laughs> mature bucks, and Bill is a big believer, you know, I think based on his experience over the years that a lot of these bigger bucks, the real mature ones, they tend to have a really small core area. So if, if they're using a particular staging area like that or a particular area to feed, 
you know, you can kind of key in on that. Sometimes some of these biggest deer that he kills, it seems like they might have a literally maybe 50, 100 acre area where they're spending the majority of their time. Is that something that you guys find with a lot of the big deer that you've killed over the years? And if that's the case, how do you go about getting your game plan to, you know, get in there and get them killed without them figuring out? Because in an area that small, I would think that once you'd, you know, pressure that animal, you know, one time, it could be all over. Well, at first, uh, we agree with Bill. Right. I mean, really, we do. And we see it more where we're at. But here's a crazy thing. We have friends of ours that hunt right next to us. And they also own another piece of property that's about, as the crow flies, just shy of two miles. We will get, we will share photos from the same bucks just moving back and forth in this small thing. The thing that is we've found, which some people may, may disagree with, but we've seen it here. You know, we've had where we have a couple mature bucks, you know, in, in a very close proximity. And, and I'll tell you, I think what one of the big things, the reason that's happening more and more is because we're understanding how to control the pressure more. Even though we don't own a lot of land, we've got the landowners to understand about pressure, about not going in at certain times, really watching the wind and, and really seeing. And the, our, our neighbors have definitely, I mean, Dave will tell you, he's definitely seen a difference in the, you know, in, in the past, more, more so in the past few years. Well, and I was going to say, too, is like, like you were saying, like with small areas, a great <clears throat> example of that is a few years ago, we have a piece of property. It's 33 acres, and that's it. It's, it's surrounded by corn and bean fields. We have the little 33 pieces, 33 acres. that has got a little bit of timber on it, but there's some CRP kind of like in there, and we do have a food plot down the bottom there. Yep. But um, remember a few years ago, I shot, like, one of my bigger deer, a 167-inch buck with my bow, with my Hoyt, and he lived there. And we, we patterned him to see where he was going and how, you know, we had to put in a stand-up in the morning. Remember that? Because he wasn't, he was skirting the food plot. He wouldn't come in. Like he wasn't quite right. And then we end up changing the, the tree stand to a different place on the other side of the acreage. And again, it's just a small 33. And how much, I mean, we had well, and we, there. we rode the wind. We rode the wind really real tight, tight. Real tight because of where he was always seen. Yep. And, and what we did is we went in there and Vicky, they, they went in and spent that whole day. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Right. We, and then we, it rained yep. and the wind, we played the wind tight and he actually ended up going behind us. He didn't wind us, but he was in the muddy. And we're like, oh my gosh. And we were so close to it. And then I said, we got to come back here first thing in the morning. And we actually, we pretty much left everything that we could out that night. And we went back out in that morning and I ended up taking him early too. It was like yep. seven thirty or something in the morning. Yep. But he was there. That was his domain. I mean we had a couple of much smaller deer, much younger deer in that area bucks in that area. But he lived on that thirty three acres. Yeah, he might have gone out to the cornfield for food or whatever, but it didn't matter. Every time you went past that property, you'd either see him or else we'd get him on a trail camera. Yeah, it uh, that that can't be true though. Everyone knows that Ralph and Vicky, you guys only hunt on like two thousand acre contiguous pieces of <laughs> super private property, right? I mean, that's it's the only way that you can kill bike deer like that. <laughs> Tell you what, you know what? There's two years, two years ago, the big guy that was out back, 
Yeah. Behind oh. our house. We our house is on eleven. No, no, somewhere near. I didn't say. Okay. <laughs> well, how much? Uh, seriously. We were hunting on on eleven acres, and um, yeah. So, so, anyways, no, so, so like your 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 house in Illinois isn't connected to like your farm in Illinois. Well, we, we actually we've never been able to have buy a bunch of property that's connecting. Um, so we have little pieces. We have little little parcels, like thirty right. here, fifty there. But if they're the, and, they're the right pieces. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when, when they came up for sale, we 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 went and hock and, and and did it just because we wanted a place for RJ to have to hunt. Gotcha. So, so you're literally you hunt on eleven acres. You're slumming it like the rest of us, is what you're telling. Oh, buddy, I'm Absolutely. telling you. And and we had we we saw him three times. Ugh. You know, and this deer was amazing. And and I seen him, and then he disappeared because Dave, when Ralph was talking about, there's a, about two miles Good away. We switched. We trade out photos, and they saw this buck. He's a huge ten. And I saw him earlier. I saw him like the beginning of or middle of October, late October. 190s, 10. Yeah. And I saw him, but I couldn't get him in close enough. But again, you better give him another. Like, you should have given him another year. He was only in the one. Oh, unfortunately, give him a year in my truck. Unfortunately, we did give him another year because that year, and then he disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> then he was only one eighty six. The year you finally got him, right? It was a shame. We didn't even know <laughs> Oh, they yeah, just south of us, they sh- they shot him in shotgun. The next year, though, so I mean, he made it, and he was on trail cameras here by us, and two miles away that same year. And then on Thanksgiving morning, I'll never forget, we had the trail camera still up. 9.36. And the two weekends, before, the weekend before that, Dave told us he saw him out there two miles from our house. I'm like, crud, he left our area. You know, this really stinks, blah, 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 blah. Thursday morning on Thanksgiving morning at like 9 o'clock in the morning. 9.36. 9.36. I still have yeah, I was putting the turkey in the oven, you know, for Thanksgiving dinner. And Ralph had gone out that evening and went and grabbed check, check trail cameras. And he was right by our stand while I was putting the turkey in the oven that morning. I'm yeah, that's, that's always the way. That's always the way. It is. Now, you mentioned Thanksgiving, and then I'm thinking, uh, well, we're working on our October issue right now. I've got a story going in there about a buck I killed on Halloween last year. Just got me thinking, as you mentioned Thanksgiving, like favorite days to hunt and stuff like that. Over the years, think back of all the decades that you guys have been chasing whitetails. Is there a particular day on the calendar that stands out to you like, man, I don't know what it is about this day, but I just love it so much and, and no matter what I'm doing or where I'm at I have to be in a tree on, on that day Halloween is, a, is my first buck that first buck I ever shot I shot on Halloween so that one stands out but then I don't know I usually it's a really good question I don't I can't tell you there's a day but there is definitely the last few days of October the first few days of November and then really the, the the rest of all of November, most of from you know, most of October, all of December, um early January, and then I think about it. <laughs> so basically Ralph's like oh, I basically like from the last week of October until the ATA show in January, I pretty much just hunt every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't a bad strategy if you have the time, right? That's, I mean, you know, the best day to kill a deer is when you're in the woods. Any That's day, it. Any you're day not you kidding. Know it. You're right. Um, 
for sure. Well, let's 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 do this before we and then and then I want to transition to talking about you know a little bit more about you guys and, and everything that you have going on. But let's talk a little. We talked a little bit about hunting tactics or strategy. Let's talk a little bit about gear and bow hunting because again, having been you know at this you know at minimum since the mid '80s, and then of course you owned the pro shop when you started doing the video, so you were in the archery industry for you know I don't know how many years before that you can tell me ralph when you started archer's choice and and how far back that goes but man i mean bow hunting equipment has changed a little bit in the last few decades <laughs> amen yep uh you want to touch you want to touch on that now yeah yeah absolutely like when did you actually start archer's choice how long did you own a pro shop um, at the end of 83, beginning of 1984, uh, we, you know, I started Archer's Choice. Um, and prior to that, at the age of 13, I actually started changing the target butts at a, at a local archery shop. Um, was that your first as long job? As I would change target butts. It was like child labor. <laughs> yeah. But if I changed the target butts every month, I could shoot for free. There you so go. from 15 on, that, I mean, I continued that process. Uh, and then as I got older, you know, I was able to start working at the pro shop. And then I, I worked for, for, for that, that shop uh, for, forever. Uh, I mean, you know, it was crazy. And just uh, actually started not only that shop, then I started working for another one and then a sporting goods store, um, trying to learn more of the business. Uh, and then... When, when opportunity knocked, even, I mean, I opened up the shop. I opened up Archer's Choice. There were six bows hanging on the wall. Four of them were mine. <laughs> I, it was, I had nothing, man. You were selling but, your old, you were, you were trying to sell your old bows used so you could get enough money to buy some more inventory for the store. <laughs> yes, sir. And, you know, it was just, it was, you know, that, I mean, it was just, timing was everything. We were so blessed that, you know, I mean, 1984, you know, archery was just on the upswing. Things were rocking. And, you know, I had the passion and the drive. And I just wanted, I wanted everybody to shoot a bow. I wanted them to enjoy it. I wanted them to bow hunt. And, uh, you know, I think that passion and that drive uh, allowed the shop to get a, a ton of notoriety. Um, yeah, and it got, it, it got enough notoriety that it started bringing girls into your shop, huh? Yeah, it would figure that one, huh? Yeah, that wasn't a bad move. So, yeah, we got to throw this in now, Vicky, because it just kind of flowed in, right? So this is, well, and actually, even before we run run into this, like, I just think it's so cool, and maybe, you know there's still people out there that don't realize Ralph that you know you're not just some dude who decided you wanted to be like a hunting celebrity you've been uh, an archer and a bow hunter since you were a kid and had a background as a pro shop owner you like know what you're talking about when you tell people about you know setting up a bow or a shooting tip or you know timing a cam or checking you know your D loop or your serving or whatever I mean it's not like you're just trying to be an expert you kind of like build yourself from the ground up on that stuff so that's awesome you know I, I, that's great um as far as ralph and vicky you know you know vic i just wanted to say thanks too for those of us who uh or those who are listening you know if you saw the june issue of peterson's bow hunting we had a big spotlight in that issue about female bow hunters and just how you know women have been really growing uh, you know as the 
their ranks among bow hunters, which has been great because, of course, for the most part, bow hunting, unfortunately, has been kind of flat in terms of overall participation. So if it wasn't for, you know, other women like you coming into the sport, Vicki, you know, we'd probably be down. Uh, and it's just been awesome. And, and you obviously have been a role model for a long time. But we had a little article about you in there. And you relayed the story about how you and Ralph met, and I'm not going to steal your thunder. I'm just going to. Will you just kind of tell that story again for the for the listeners how that all kind of came to be? You know, I've uh, no one in my family hunted, and but I've always been a tomboy. I want to pick up trucks. I always like get you know go out and get dirty and have fun. And um, actually, I was dating a different guy at the time, and he and his buddy was he. Was by the way, hang on, Ralph. I got to interrupt you, Ralph. Was this guy? Was he like a? Was he a dweeb? This other dude. Was he a good dude or was he like, was he annoying? Uh, well, no, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just going to continue. <laughs> Ralph's not going to answer that question. Did he leave the room? <laughs> Ralph, come no, on. Honestly, so I don't know. It was kind of, we would, we would go, he and his buddies would go and they'd do 3D shoots. I was carrying arrows around. And I'm like, you know, I want my own bow. So they were actually shooting leagues at Archer's Choice, which is Ralph's archery shop. And, you know, I'd go in there with them and I bought my first bow at, at Archer's Choice from Ralph and he didn't give me a discount. No, she had a boyfriend at the time. I ain't giving her no deal. Yeah, he, you know, he figured it was his money anyway, right? <laughs> what the heck, you know? So anyway, so he gave me a, he didn't give me a discount. I started shooting leagues and everything, and we all just kind of started hanging out together, and we were just good friends. I knew his family, Ralph's family and everything like that, and it just... I just I fell in love with archery. It, it's what I wanted to do, and um, one thing happened, and another thing happened, and then all of a sudden, Ralph and I are dating, and here we are now, and we've been married for 24 and a half years. Come on, you rushed through the good part. You can't just, that's not all just one thing happened and another thing happened. I mean, I want uh, some, yes. come on, okay. give me some juice here. Give Ralph an opportunity to explain how he's like a smooth operator or something here. He, he is a smooth operator. I would show up and I would show up a really show up there on, on for, for leagues on Tuesday night and I was the only girl shooting leagues and I would show up there and he'd grab my arm and he'd be like hey beautiful how's it going you know come on let's go take a walk and he'd take my arm and walk me around the shop and totally try smoothing on me well I had signed up for wait and this was year. before or after you broke up with this other guy that was while I was still dating the guy. Yeah. <laughs> he was working it. Anyway, so I had signed up for the ladies only deer camp. That was Ralph's thing. As he's like, hey, I'm not stupid. You know, I'm going to have a ladies only deer camp and I'm going to be the guide up there in Wisconsin. So I had signed up for it. And you dog, actually, Ralph. Yeah. And yeah not, the guy How many and I years did you have to run up. this before you found a wife? Uh, it was a few. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we kind of, we kind of laugh. I tell him this is the part he'll get mad at me for saying. So when he had found out that um, this guy and I had broken up, he was actually Ralph was actually out in Colorado, and he ran down the mountain. I didn't run. Down his no mom mountain. had his mom no, call no, me up no. and ask me out for dinner. Bull BS. He used his mom to set up our first date. No, no. You did. Well, that, that was in the days before sat phones and stuff. He had he did he had to run into town and 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 get a pay. I phone, know, right? Call his mom on a payphone <laughs> and. Like uh, he, he had to drive to like uh, Craig or something like that and get on the payphone at the Arby's. <laughs> probably, probably what it was. But yeah, uh, so we, uh, so he actually, um, I, I did my very first bow hunt was that woman's bow hunt, 
from Wisconsin and we just we hit it off we, we knew each other already and you know it's just you get to know someone before you ever think about dating or anything so I mean we were friends before we started dating and it just we've been blessed we've been truly blessed with our relationship and everything that we've done I mean if someone would have told me you know 26 years ago 25 years ago that this is what we were going to do and that we'd be having a couple hunting shows on an outdoor channel on a network for 17 years I probably would have laughed in their face I really would have. You know, I mean, you figure, so we're 24 and a half years married right now. We've been on the Outdoor Channel for 17 of those, and we actually still like each other. You know, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's because you guys keep your, you got your tree stands and he has his, and that's why it works. Right. That's right. I get my coffee in the morning and my princess stand, and we're good to go. Everyone's safe. <laughs> Some people keep different checking accounts, you know, to avoid the tension. You guys keep separate tree stands, so that's maybe the go. secret to a happy marriage. Exactly. <laughs> so, so um, you know, obviously you guys have been sponsored by Hoyt for a, a, quite a while. I, a matter of fact, as long as I've been in the industry, if you, I don't even know, did you guys ever have a, any other bow sponsors in your professional life? Uh, but, uh, you know, talk to me about, you know, bow hunting equipment and, and like, what are you guys shooting now? And, 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 uh, you know, what, what are your recommendations? I'm sure that that's very common for you guys. People want to know, you know, what should I shoot? What, what bow should I shoot? How much speed do I need? What, what kind of arrows should I use? What kind of broadhead should I use? What do you, what do you guys think is the ideal setup for, you know, for whitetail hunting out there? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here first because Ralph will get into, I'm sure, lots of details. But I think, you know, we love our Hoyt, but I think the biggest thing is go to a pro shop or a dealer that can let you try a couple different bows because we all have different hands, we all have different draws, and you need to, there's a lot of good bows out there, and you need to, whichever one you feel most comfortable with, you're going to shoot best. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. It's one of those. Oh, yeah. I, I always say, you know, uh, I get the question a lot too because I, I, I'm sure you do too. Like people want to know, like, well, what do you think is the first, the best bow? And uh, I always tell people, like, well, what's the best food? There's no answer to that question. You know, it's like you, you right. could you could say that lobster is the best food, or you could say like, you know. I wouldn't, but some people might be like, well, caviar is the best food. But then again, I could make like an argument that honestly, like a really good cheeseburger, I bet you Ralph would agree with me on this, like a really good cheeseburger is the best food in the world when you're in the mood for a good cheeseburger. You know what I mean? So, it's so, like so. made on elk, with elk meat, like on a Traeger. I mean, that's really, really good then. Absolutely. I'll let you make me one anytime you want. But the point is, like you said, what, what I think is the best bow i'll give you a perfect example and i'm just gonna i'm gonna do it i'm gonna call out okay Uh outdoor life just got the latest issue of outdoor life okay that's the competition Uh, they've got their bow test now i'm not really going to dive into the nitty-gritty but they do their annual bow test and it's some objective where they you know they test some different things speed and and some other things and it's some subject subjective so they have a panel of certain number of people who shoot the bows and they kind of tell you what they think well i'm going to tell you right now some of the bows that they said 
are the best bow that are their winners. And some of the bows that they said were kind of bottom of the barrel, I've shot some of these bows and it wasn't necessarily what I thought at all. You know what I mean? So, and and they're all good bows. I mean, I'm going to tell you that right now. There's not a bow in that test that's a a piece of junk bow. So, yeah, I mean, you, you... you got to try a bunch of different ones because what you think is the greatest in the end all be all, I might shoot that thing and I might be like, eh, it's okay. It's okay, but I like this one. You know what I mean? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, you're right. And, and that's the thing is that you really need to go, everyone, like I said, everyone's different sizes. Everyone's different shapes and sizes. And, and to find the best bow for you, you need to try a couple different ones and make sure that they're set up for your for you when you try them out. Don't overbow it. Don't try to make, you know, don't try to shoot a bow that's too long and you end up slapping your arm or something like that. That's a big, that's a big deal of it. You got to make sure that you're set up right with it. Well, I think the other thing too is when you go to a pro shop, each pro shop, and they made the, you want to deny this, but they have their preferences. Um, you, you know, just like we do. You know, I mean, we love our Hoyts. We've been with them for 26 years plus. I, I mean, love it. Do I, do, you know, do I think we couldn't shoot another bow? No. But this is what we prefer. And we, you know, thank you for, for, to, to Hoyt, you know, for supporting us all these years. I mean, it's easy to talk about a product when you believe in it. Um, you know, and going to a dealer, you know, a dealer is going to say, hey, because this is there, they love this setup, They this is it. But you go there, and I, I want everybody to pay attention to this. Is And you say, all right, listen, I'd like to get a new bow set up. Um, I would like all these bows set up at, let's just say, 50 pounds. Make sure they're all set up identical. Because it's real easy for, I could, you know, when, when I, we had the shop, it would be real easy to set one bow up that you really want to push at a lighter poundage, have the, have the consumer come in, come in, you know, for the first time and say, here, here, draw these, and you make them a little tougher, and then draw this. See how nice, you, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, so there's, yeah. You, want to, you want to make, all, you want to eliminate all those variables and have everybody just try and don't get caught up in the marketing hype. Really, you know what? One one of the are you I, saying? I think, are you saying there's marketing hype out there, Ralph? Absolutely, no. <laughs> absolutely, you know. I, I mean, we we're shooting, we're shooting. You know, you know Vicky shoots twenty six inch draw. I shoot a twenty six and a half, twenty seven. Yeah, you don't shoot twenty seven. It's twenty six and a half. Don't act like you're longer. I'm taller than you. My arms are the same length as you. No, it works out really good, Kristen. Because then what happens no. is if we go on a trip, I will not shoot happens, your bow. Something happens to his bow. He can shoot my vixen and everything. I will. Well, well he might be a little overbowed with your bow, Vicky. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> damn boy. <laughs> You know, I, I mean, you, you, could, you could get it back once or twice, but I don't know if you want to practice. You know, you'd have to build up the muscle strength to shoot that all. Wow. Oh, that was awesome. Dang. Man. Perfect. Love it. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, you you bring up a good point, though, okay? Because where you're going, right? Where you're going, in all seriousness, you were going to start to go towards, you know, speed and energy. Because... Yep. 
let's look at what IBO. Let's tell people. Let's remind people. Okay, for those who know, and for those who don't know, and I know that that's a lot of you. Mark marketing hype. Okay, advertised bow speeds. You see advertised bow speeds all the time. Well, there's two things that I have to say about advertised bow speeds. First and foremost, remember what IBO specs are. Thirty inch draw. Okay. Yep. How many people are drawing 30 inches? Not very many. Okay. 70 pound draw weight. How many people are pulling 70 pounds? In today's day and age, I would say 60 pounds is the most common weight for from guys and you know most ladies are going to be drawn you know maybe 50 maybe somewhere in the 40s so and again so you're talking about they're doing their tests at 30 inches and 70 pounds and they're using a 300 grain arrow nobody hunts with a 300 grain arrow you're stupid i'm gonna say that right now on the record you're an idiot if you if you go out and hunt deer with a 300 grain arrow you're an idiot okay i shoot a 420 grain arrow to hunt with and if you're under 360 75 in my opinion you're you're too light so when you see those numbers i don't care what the number is i don't care if it's 370 or 360 or 350 or 340 it's just a number when you get a bow set up if it's the same bow that they're saying is 355 that's fine if it's 30 inches 70 pounds and a 300 gain arrow but you're drawing you know 27 inches and you're drawing 55 pounds and you're shooting yep. an arrow that's 400 grains so you're not shooting 355 feet a second you might be shooting 265 feet a second and you know what there's nothing wrong with that and it's perfectly good to kill a deer buddy 250 50 feet per even less will kill a deer an elk a moose i mean it, it you are spot on and and i mean the thing is is forget all that other stuff i mean turn around and if you can't hit the damn target consistently it doesn't matter what speed it's going Period. No, and if you can hit the target consistently, it doesn't matter what speed it's going either, right? No. Because accuracy is deadly. I mean, that's it. Shot placement is everything. So, so you get asked all the time, okay? So we kind of settled that, right? I mean, if you have a bow, pretty much would we all agree, okay? The three of us here, because we are the the three foremost experts in bow hunting today. Okay, <laughs> okay whatever your sure. claim to fame okay. is, okay? Sure. Any. Any, you know, any uh, contemporary bow, okay, any bow from a major bow manufacturer that's been produced in the last, you know, five, six years that you could go into a pro shop today and buy off the shelf, there's not a single one of them that isn't going to kill a deer, right? We all agree on that? I agree. And and so if it's comfortable to you and you can shoot it accurately, you can be effective. And so, you know, period, end of story. So let's move on from the bow, you know, to the arrows and the broadheads. People will argue about broadheads until the, the, the cows come home. Uh, I'm kind of a mechanical broadhead fan, although I do shoot fixed blades and mechanicals both every year, depending on what hunts I'm on and, you know, what I'm chasing. Uh, where do you guys fall on that spectrum, and do you really think think that there's a you know a, 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 a is it a personal preference or is it like no you got to shoot this or you got to shoot that like like you just said you know what we we shoot both we love our mechanicals we love our spitfires our trivex 
but we also use six blade depending on what we're hunting, you know. Deer hunting setup, we love the Spitfire. Love it, love it, love it. Like to no end, huh, Ralph? Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, it's been in our quivers forever. But when it comes to moose or elk, you know, thicker skinned, heavier boned animals, we're definitely going to use the fixed blade because I need it for sure. Because, like, you know, I do have a shorter draw length and so does Ralph, but he does pull more weight than I do. So I want to, I don't want to lose any kinetic energy on my setup because of the mechanical broadhead. On a deer, on bear, and even on caribou, we've used mechanicals on yep. them. You know, antelope is a great, it's a great head for an antelope too. But when it comes to those bigger animals, the moose and the elk, we're definitely using a fixed head. And the other thing we set up too, like you were talking about light arrows, um, we automatically, in all of our beamons, we automatically go ahead and put a 50 grain brass insert on them just yep. to give us more weight on our, on our, on our arrows. Oh yeah, I, I you can't almost for whitetail hunting. I actually just had a question from a reader the other day. It was actually it wasn't reader. It was on social media. Somebody hit our Facebook page and was asking about that. And I, my answer to them was like on whitetails. I said because he was specifically asking about like thirty yards and in shots. I said okay on shots thirty yards and in, which is going to be typical of any whitetail hunt. Absolutely. I don't think you can almost go too heavy because the only time you really want arrow speed, you know, is going to be on your longer shots. You want a flatter trajectory and you want maybe some more forgiveness in your range estimation. Well, in whitetail hunting, range is rarely a question. And honestly, if you guess it for 25 and he's 30 or you guess it for 25 and he's 20, you're probably going to hit the vitals anyway on all those shots because you're close enough and your error is small enough that you're still going to be in that kill zone. So what we'd normally be looking for speed on to give us an advantage, it doesn't really come into play in that application. Now, on the other hand, when you're, you're wanting penetration, which a heavier arrow is going to give you because it's it's going to soak up more energy to the bow and it's going to carry it to your target that's where you're going to get an advantage by having that extra weight plus it's going to quiet your bow down so i would much rather have the heavier arrow that hits harder you know for for whitetail hunting personally uh, we're, we're spot on together i mean you're, you're right on there and you know the other thing that we want we, what we strive for and that is a you know a, a bow arrow broadhead setup that most likely will not only give us an entrance hole but an exit especially when we're hunting from a tree stand position you know i mean we're going to on a deer and it could be possibly a high hit so i would much rather have a low uh cavity um exit so I have a great blood trail rather than having to wait, you know, and try to get that cavity to really spit out some blood on a high hit with no exit. Yeah, let's talk about another thing regarding broadheads and marketing hype, okay? I'm just going to throw this out there. Quote, flies like a field point, end quote, okay? Yeah. Um, they all do, apparently. Every single one of them, if you just go to the store and, and, and look at the packaging. So, uh, do you guys practice with broadheads? We shoot our broadheads, period. You know, we, we're not... We're not shooting an x-ring we're not doing we are bow hunters we shoot our broadheads we shoot them into our 3d targets i mean that we we do whatever we need to to make sure that we're the best that we could be with our hunting setup 
Okay, last qu- last question on this topic. How far is too far to shoot an animal? How far have you guys ever killed stuff at? And and do you get sucked into that debate? Maybe you've had situations over the years. I'm sure you had. You, you've been at it long enough. You've probably had situations maybe where you filmed the hunt, where you took a shot and maybe the angle wasn't perfect, or maybe it was a little bit longer than you would have liked in a perfect world. And, and maybe you had some viewers, you know, maybe give you some flack or people on social media that were giving you a hard time talk to me about the idea of ethics out there in the field when it comes to you know taking a shot as a bow hunter and and how you guys kind of make your decisions great question buddy and yes it's going to raise flags and it's going to piss people off and you know what so be it we we were we hunted before there was social media (laughs) we filmed before there was social media and you know I want to make this statement, and I'm making it, I believe, very truthful, is we, we, we never felt the pressure to shoot an animal for the camera. No, not we, at all. we never wanted to put that on us because then we always thought we would take the fun away from what we love to do. Um, you know, and I mean, we have been caught up, though. You know, you, you make a sh- or you shoot and you make a bad hit. Or you shoot and you miss, and the animal runs a little bit, and you're like, "Oh, dang it! I get, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to get back on him." And you know, we we made those shots, and and some of them we made, and they were beautiful, and others weren't too beautiful. Well, you know, I, I mean, that's hunting. We are not a machine. We are a human being, and a human being makes has errors. I'm going to, I hope, well, I'm, I mean, I, I think I'm going to tick off some people here, <laughs> um, you know, and, and the average deer, which control, which really drives our entire industry, white-tailed deer, the average deer, in the, you know, is taken between 12 and 18 yards on the average, pretty much, that's it, just like you said earlier, um, bow hunting in our way that we we've always been is not a long range tradition it's just not you know and and i mean i mean i you know we'll see these people posting shooting you know 150 yards 175 or or whatever it may be they're shooting at a target and then you know some of them will say well i'd never shoot an animal at that um but here's our problem is for those who can shoot that god bless you I mean, you're a you're 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 a more accurate archer than I am. I'll you don't you don't go out with your cup of coffee every morning and shoot the 175 yard. No, sir, no. we do not. Oh, my So you think critter can hear your heart pounding out of your chest? That's what we want. I, I want that. We want that animal. And you've been there, and so is every other person that's listening or have read you know read, read the the magazines, and that is. You're sitting there and you're like, can he hear my heart? Well, at, at 75 yards, they can't hear your heart. At 150 yards, they can't hear your heart. And and further on, I mean, I, I love them up close and personal. That's what bow hunting's all about. And maybe, maybe we should start to, to, to say, hey, guys, listen, I think you're a great archer. That's phenomenal. You can shoot that distance. However... However, get them as close as you possibly can and feel the difference. Yeah, well, that's what 
that's really what bow hunting is about anyway. It's we choose to I mean just to even go a field with a bow in your hand is is saying that you want to voluntarily limit yourself to a certain degree. And then yeah. if you put the compound down and you do the same thing with a recurve or a longbow, well then you're just saying I'm wanting to limit myself even more. And it's all about the amount of challenge that you want to add into it, you know, to your to, to, to do it you know but I agree with you personally I, I'm a it's kind of the same way like I don't do as much fishing as I used to but I really like fishing with dry flies because you get to watch you know that trout come up and take the fly and you see it and you're close you know and, and that's kind of like to me you know like bow hunting is is the fly fishing of hunting you know what i mean because you're right there on top of the animal and you have to have him completely fooled right he's you're you're practically on top of him you know you could throw a a, a stone and hit the thing and and it has no idea that you even exist that's when you know that you like mastered that situation not the game you never master the game but you have some victories no and you know it's funny you know, because, you know we start with the archer's choice and we came out with a choice which is any weapon you only choose weapon whether it's archery or if it's rifle muzzle or shotgun crossbow whatever it is and it's funny though because we're bow hunters that's what i started hunting as was a bow hunter same here you know so now when we go out on hunts and we're say we're going rifle hunting you know and we're still waiting for those animals to get you know within 50 yards of us and you know say we're going on a moose hunt or something and the outfitter is like you know the guy's going well, shoot it you know it's 150 yards out we're like why let's get closer you know and they, they just look at us they like want we're to kill insane us we're like what come on let's use our skills let's get closer you know we can make this work and they just look at us like we're crazy but i think that's the bow hunter in us coming out no matter what weapon we're using we want them close i mean that's part of the thrill of the hunt and knowing that you've been successful and using all of your knowledge and your skills out in the woods to get that close on that animal that's woodsmanship mm-hmm. that, that's what it's about you know what i mean that's uh boy you would that, that's the rush of bow hunting for us Right. Well, and that's a good transition into the last segment that I kind of want to get into. And I know that you had kind of on your heart, Ralph, like you talk about what's tradition for you and like what's your heritage as a bow hunter, you know, is that close encounter and um, you have a real burden, you know, and you as well, Vicki, you know, for the future of this sport and the next generation that's coming up, obviously, you know, you guys have a, a teenage son who's you know, come in as a bow hunter. I've got uh, one teenager and one preteen, two boys of my own who are coming up as bow hunters. So, uh, you know, we have a personal interest in this, but really as three people who make our living in this industry, uh, we've got a a financial interest in this. And then just uh, as three people who have a passion for the sport and for the outdoors and for these animals that we hunt, for making sure that they're conserved, you know, the habitat and the wildlife and and, and just passing on this heritage. So um, you guys have seen a lot happen in in three decades uh, of being involved in this industry. And it hasn't all been, you know, necessarily for the 
good. Um, talk to me about where you kind of see the industry and and the outdoor media. You know, the the, the TV, the the online, uh, the landscape, and and what do we need to do to ensure the future of bow hunting, guys? Well, you know, I, I think first to. to to preserve the future or to reserve the future to keep to keep it going alive you know i, I think i think we, we 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 have to stop being our own worst enemies i think we have to unite and we have to stop division not only for bow hunting but hunting in general you know and, and say guys and i know this is a battle for a day one but you know say listen it don't matter what you hunt if it's legal let's stop the fighting let's stop you know let's stand together um, you know, I, I think we've always strived, even when we didn't have RJ, even when it was just me at the shop. You know, we we always always we always wanted to do whatever we could to be a positive impact to allow our children's children to have the the privilege and the honor and the right to go hunting. Um, you know, and and I, I mean. Things have changed, you know, not only equipment, but temperament. And, and right now, more so than ever, we're in a viral world. <laughs> we're in a world that instantaneous people become heroes or zeros. You know, everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame. So let's post something on Facebook. Let me do a stupid thing or let me do a great thing. I'm, I mean, and, and, and all of this is, is quick. And our industry, you know, I think we have to understand our demographics. You had said earlier in our conversation that archery as a whole is soft. It's really soft, man. It's it's the worst we've seen it in a long time, you know. And we've been here a long time. It's you know, and and is our numbers aren't increasing; they're decreasing. We do have growth in the women's you know specter of it all, but what we also need to understand is you know we if we think social media is just where everything needs to go. And this is, you know, I'm speaking on behalf of even, you know, manufacturers. You know, years ago, it was all TV. And print. And print. Really, it was print. It was print. It was print. And then it went, you know, TV kind of stepped TV in. Print. And then, you know, more recently, you know, we've had manufacturers say, well, listen, you know what? We're going to pull away from TV and we're going to just do social media. Well, here's here's the thing we would just like to bring up. And that is understand your demographics. For example, the state of Pennsylvania, who is one of the largest hunting participating states that we have. Your average hunter is like in, in his 50s. <laughs> he or she, they're in, in the 50s. Yeah. Right. I mean, and let's let's talk about you know we we love our elk hunting. We love our, we love our moose. Hunt. We love we love it all. Uh, you know, but if if we really look at numbers, true numbers, Christian, and you know these, everybody does. Well, I shouldn't say everybody, but you know, let, let, you know, we, we turn around and the state of Pennsylvania has more hunters than th- three to five of your top western states combined. Oh, absolutely. The state of state of Wisconsin. The state of you know, you're not that many. Just one state has more of that. You know, and and so we're so now we take this social media, which is really helping, but also I think giving fictitious um, 
promises. And, and that is, you, you know, we're, we're dealing right now in a world and we, you guys do print, you do TV, we do TV, uh, we do, you do social media, we do social media, but I, our average consumer right now is not doing everything on their phones because of their age. You know, we're chasing a, um, the, the, what is it that? Well, you're chasing an, you, you got an aging demographic, but we've got to get, we've got to get new generations engaged with it too, right? Yes. So, so I think you have to look at it and have a happy medium of all everything. You know what I mean? Don't, don't just focus on one aspect, look at it all and try to dabble in each one, not only your print, you know, your TV and your social media, you know, social media, it, we, we did this. And you know, you know, in the eighties, in the in the eighties, it was going. Archery was going so well. I mean, it was it was it was out of the roof. Things were just going great. Early nineties, and then all of a sudden, we hit this little lull. And I'll tell you why. Because it was going so well, and we had the shop at the time. And you know, we were. We, I mean, we were. In, I was involved on the on the AMO board at the time. I mean, all of the things in our industry, we were. We we had our fingers in, and we never took the time to step back and start a new wave. We didn't. We didn't have social media at the time. We didn't have a lot of things. There were still manufacturers struggling to have short draw length bows that were efficient. You know what I mean? They, there wasn't there. There was nothing available for children, for women at that time. So there was never a new wave brought up. And then when we hit 2000s, manufacturers panicked. And they start, you know, a lot of them, you know, introduced bows. They introduced women's clothing. They introduced all of youth clothing. They, they, they said, we need to do something. Well, social media is just that now. We know, you know, all the parents out there know that their kids probably will not be having, you know, watching TV like we have. But we also well, we, to, I mean, I talked, yeah, I mean, I mentioned that before we even started the show, right? Like, I don't know what RJ does. I told you what my two kids do. It's like everything's on YouTube. So yeah, if you'd ask, ask my 13-year-old, like, what the Sportsman channel is, and he's going to be like, I don't know. Well, he's not going to be like that because he knows that dad works for, you know, the company that owns it. But you know what I'm saying. Ask him if he watches anything on the History Channel or even MTV. You know what I mean? It's like they don't, they don't watch that. They don't want no, no. They don't. But but that brings in that brings into you know what 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 you guys are trying to do, and you know with all of the producers participating, the you know the MOTV app, trying to make the hunting, make the fishing, make the outdoor lifestyle more accessible to those age groups. But we also have to understand that we have a long period of time that the dollars won't be there. See, we we'll, we'll chase them. And that is through exactly what you're talking about. Make social aware. media presence and make them aware. But they won't have the expendable dollars for another 10 to 15 years. So we have to keep that medium of trying to cover all facets the best we can. But know that, you know, times are changing. Times are changing. And it's, you know, we, we have to make our lifestyles 
accessible in every aspect that we possibly can to reach the you know to reach the demographic at that time and you know that's where the MO, the, the app the MOTV app is going to be hopefully reaching them showing them a little bit more but we also as as what we do probably have to realize that it's going to change you know a, a 22 minute when they call it 30 but let's call it what it is it's 22 minute hunting show is probably going to be too long why oh, yeah. why is you yeah i mean well, i was just talking about something yesterday and it's like uh it's got to be like a minute and a half to two minutes tops a minute and a half's better you know like for as far as people's attention span you know for a lot of things on on you know facebook or whatever people don't want to watch for a minute and a half man that's like that's an eternity anymore when did a minute and a half become eternity guys no one has, you know, your your attention. There's, it's not there anymore. You can nope. no one can pay that much attention anymore, and it and it's crazy. Because like, we'll watch RJ, like you, like you were saying with your son, watch RJ sitting there on his phone. You know, we just drove, we just drove back from Florida. Yep. Twenty one hours in the via in the truck, and I keep yeah. But not. come on, in in fairness to him, he was only on the phone for twenty and a half of those twenty one hours. Yeah. Exactly. Well, no. Let's let's be, be honest. Part. Yeah. We him sleeping. The only time he wasn't on his phone is either sleeping or eating. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. So, but seriously, because I was going to ask you guys this, right? Because I'm in the same boat. People probably think like because they see on the shows, you know, whether it's your kids, my kids, uh, people in the industry, you know, oh, you know, those kids. Are, are, are really into hunting, you know, and I'm not saying that they're not, but don't we fight the same struggles as everybody else? Like, isn't it a daily battle to like, sometimes don't you have to tell RJ, dude, put that device down and like go outside and do something. Just get out of the house, get out of my face. I can't even stand to like watch you sit in front of that screen one more second. Well, anybody who says they, they, they don't, they haven't done that are lying. Really? Because you, you, we are faced with that every day. But that's 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 where it's at, and you, you know, and, and I mean, we all have to figure out the best way to keep spreading the lifestyle that we all love and cherish. And, and I mean, you know, it is part of it is social, part of it is TV and what you guys and we do. You know, part of it is print, what you do. You know, and what we we, we play a little bit in, but nothing. You know, to what you guys. And, and I mean, we we just have to, and we have to remember this. <laughs> Just like we were talking about earlier, the long shooting or this or that, once you put it out there, it's out there forever. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, there's a lot of things out there, out there on YouTube. And, you know, one of our goals that we've always done is try to promote the sport, promote the lifestyle of hunting, bow hunting in a positive manner. And the thing is, is that there's a lot of people, and, and they don't realize how how viral something can go that if, if something is posted that's not good like not ethical something you don't know where I'm going with that just be aware of what you're posting because it can be a bad deal and it can hurt our sport and our lifestyle of hunting and bow hunting just because maybe someone thought it was funny something happened and you know what you get that in the wrong person's hand and they can damage our what we love to do 
So when you look in your crystal ball, then, I mean, are you optimistic or pessimistic about about our future? I mean, certainly there's no denying that there's a lot of challenges out there, you know, and getting and getting the next generation engaged is just one. Right. I mean, there's there's environmental challenges. There's there's a lot of obstacles. There's just the fact like society is changing so much and everything's getting so so techy and, and, and maybe there's not as much inclination of the average person to just even even get outside and enjoy nature uh, it's easy to kind of get discouraged uh, you know what buddy I, I think I think we would be hypocrites and we would be lying to you if we didn't say we are pessimistic huh I mean it, I'm not pessimistic well here's what I, I mean by that I guess you know um, we're nervous we're scared we're scared that, that what we you know we all cherish is at risk because if we if we sit here and say oh no it's it's not at risk you know what then, it, then you're going to be complacent yeah yes sir and when we become right. complacent they're they're going they're going to strip it from us without us even realizing so i would much rather say that i am on reserve I, you know and, and i want to try to we, we want to try to continue here's here's something that we'll make this statement and whether it's good bad or different vicky and i RJ, anyone on our crew, we have never ever claimed or or hopefully portrayed that we are you know that we're we're the best, we're great. All we've ever wanted to do was have the families sit down together and watch what we've done and watch what we do and say, you know what? It's not that bad. Why don't we try that? It was never a boasting art, you know, bragging about who, what we've shot, the size of the animals or anything. It was always we just wanted to have a family, another woman, a lady, a girl, a, a boy, just sit down and say, hey, mom, hey, dad, they're pretty crazy. It, that's, that hunting seems pretty fun. We just wanted to make it entertaining because we love it. Mm-hmm. If we could do that more. And maybe stop writing this egotistical, look how great thou is. I, I believe we could have a very positive future. Yeah, well, let's, let's leave it with this. Here's a little analogy for you. Um, you know, this comes from my wife, okay? And again, it's, it's a parenting thing, okay? When you have, I'm sure you've had this with RJ, with my older boy becoming a teenager. You know, as your kids get older, right? When your kids are small, you kind of look out for their physical well-being, right? And as they become young adults, I feel like the whole parenting thing shifts and you're, you're actually looking out for their mental and emotional well-being, right? And you're just trying to put up some bumpers like, like on a bowl alley and keep them somewhat reasonably in between the lines while they get towards adulthood, hopefully in one piece, you know, and my wife, uh, whenever we're dealing with something difficult or we're trying to teach our son a lesson about something or impress upon him a point that is really important, you know, to his well-being, she talks about you got to, as a parent, you got to fight. Every day, you got to fight for your kid, even when, like, he's fighting against you. You know what I mean? You got to fight. Well, that's what we all got to do for our industry. Like, every day, 
even when it feels discouraging, like as a parent, sometimes you feel like I'm not making any progress. I'm not getting through. I'm telling them the right thing, but I just don't see any judgment. I don't see any maturity. It's the same thing. We got to fight. We got to keep on preaching the good word and showing people how good this is, sharing what we have, you know, exposing people. And, and, and we do that. And then you look back over time and you're like, yeah, we went through some rough times and we had to cross some hurdles, you know, and climb some mountains. But I see the progress. You know, I can look back and I can see the progress. I can see, you know, some of those things that I thought weren't getting through with my kid are getting through. Well, if we keep doing the right things for our industry, I think we're going to look back and be able to kind of have the same thing and be like, yeah, I see, you know, that those things, even though they were hard at the time, we had a, a brighter future now because of that. Love it. I agree 100%. You're right. So that's my little soapbox for today. I hope I didn't <laughs> lose too many people. But guys, uh, that was an hour and 10 minutes of recording. <laughs> and uh, we got we to gotta wrap this up because I don't know if like uh, we just said a couple minutes ago that a minute and a half is eternity and nobody can listen more than that. We've gone for 70 minutes. So if we don't let people go now. Yeah. Say, hi, Ralph. Hi, Vicky. We're like, Bye. hey, click. <laughs> <laughs> so, but hey, it was awesome having you guys on today. And congratulations on, you know, the long run of success that you've had. It's been, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. It, it's great to, to be, be your friend and, and, and have you guys as good colleagues in the industry. I wish you all the best of success on your hunts this fall. And uh, if there's ever anything, you know, I can do to help you out, please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you, brother. Thank, God bless you guys. Yeah, God bless you guys. Good luck to you this fall. So, thanks for having us on. Thank you for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting on your local newsstand or check us out on the web at bowhuntingmag.com. 